Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to another episode of Friends from Work, a podcast about all things in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, hosted by me, Robbie, and by him, Kyle. And has there ever been a better day to be (laughs) a host of Friends from Work, Kyle? I don't know that there has been. This might actually be the single best day. (laughs) Uh, We talked last week about Loki and Black Widow mashup. I love both of those things, but this has potential to steal the show. I mean, because I'm this loving episode, Hawkeye. And then Spider Man is, you know, the early word is we're going to enjoy it, I think. So, so I, I woke up this morning feeling like a king levels of, of <laughs> excitement that I feel like I have not felt since I was a kid going to see those Sam Raimi movies that we've been talking about. Like, it's like I'm, I'm fully back in Spider-Man world, which I think means we did our job, you know? You know what else, Robbie? We'll have to get to the bottom of this on a different episode. But for some reason, I'm just not nervous at all. Between this show and Spider-Man, there's no anxiousness watching it. It's a totally different feel than the end of Endgame. Like, I think this is going to be a big moment in the MCU, but I'm just not nervous where they're going with it anymore. I mean, why? That doesn't make sense. Maybe it's because I've... I've put the end game infinity saga to bed and like I've moved on from my things now and I'm just excited for where they're going. But today is just excitement for me. I'm not, I'm not nervous about it. See, I've got, I, I had nerves like the night before the reviews dropped. I really, I texted you the next morning. I haven't looked at any actual reviews, but I did finally break and look at the rotten tomato score because I was just too, I, I felt this way. I, I remember whenever the, I don't think I checked the end game Rotten Tomato score until I got out of the theater. But I remember looking at like the early scores for Infinity War because I was just I was so nervous about that one because of how much it was trying to do. And I felt the same way here. Like I was like, this is trying to do so much. The hype is so big. And then seeing that that people are generally loving it just takes a, it it keeps some of the fun nerves where I'm like oh my gosh what are they going to do with it but it makes it to where I think I'm I'm much more in your in your boat I think the difference between us maybe is I am very nervous like because this is such a Spider-Man right, has been right. billed as like a you know the ultimate 
conclusion or, or like fulfillment of a lot of things that I just want to see it done really, really well. And um, we're as ready but, as we've ever been. We've put in as much right. prep work as possible. It's going to be so fascinating because we have that different perspective we're always talking about going in. Uh, I think Spider-Man lands in this perfect territory for me. It's not so much of my attachment like Tony Stark was where I am that nervous on how it's going to go, but it's also not a character that I don't care about, if that makes sense. It, right. it's, it's like I really care about him, but I'm totally game for where they're going, I guess. And that's funny because I was also with you when I – did that preview episode and I said, Hey, I am kind of nervous about how they're going to land the plane, all that stuff. You know what? I'm not, I'm not really today. So <laughs> I love it. I'm I just ready it. to bask in it. Let's go. Okay. I've got one more Spider-Man comment and then we've got to go to Hawkeye because listen, if you want Spider-Man content, there is plenty on either side of this episode. <laughs> we've already had two Spider-Man episodes this week. We're going to have two more episodes this week. And so there's a lot, there's a lot there. One more thing, though. I was talking to Dan Gavazdan after our last episode dropped. NBD. Uh, and That's like the Jimmy Fallon, oh, I was talking to Dan Gavazdan. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing. So it, it cracked me up. Um, one, I was talking you know, to Christoph he, Beck when we hung up. Uh, no big deal. <laughs> <laughs> he pointed something out after he heard our response to the conversation with him. And I should say kind of a little behind-the-scenes stuff. We would have loved to have had a full episode, a full two-hour kind of extravaganza with Dan. He is in the middle of working actually on a film that he's directing, which is very cool. So he had a really tight window. Um, we also kind of had a tight window. So we were just really happy to get the time we had. But he had a comment on some of the things we said in the lightning round that I, I had to get your reaction to. Because um, I think it's a fair point. He noted that whenever you said best visuals, you said, you know, if you say Raimi films, you're just wrong. And we both agree that they were the Watts films. Now, he pointed out, which I think is really fair, that visuals is a really broad category. And oh, that I baby. think, I think what we were talking about was really like CGI, like effects. Be yeah, sure. You know what I mean? Because I think that's what we're saying has not aged well with Raimi and what's done well with Watts. But he pointed out, but you really have to look at cinematography. You have to look at like the color grading. You have to look at the the editing style even, like the way that the the kind of filmmaking of it all. And he made the point kind of going back to what he had said at the very beginning about those Raimi movies. Those do have a certain kind of art to them. Like they have a fingerprint on them that I think you could argue the other Spidey films don't. So he was saying that the visuals, like the practical effects, the kind of particular frames that are so unique to those Raimi movies should make the Raimi movies, he said the Raimi movies do have the best visuals, even if the CGI is not as good, which obviously it isn't. Um, so I thought that that was a really interesting take that I wanted to, to express here, one, to get your reaction to, and two, to allow Dan to... Uh, respond to our response <laughs> via me. Well, one, I love that Dan is now listening to all of these and we're having like a back and forth argument with him not actually on the show. That's <laughs> unbelievable, first of all. Uh, secondly, 
I see what he's saying. I think, yeah, I was more thinking the CGI, like you're like, I was picturing that fight when Spider-Man in the Raimi movies shows up amongst the criminals on the street and right. like kicks them. And it looks so cheesy right. or this, or the shot where Spider-Man is climbing up the wall with no mask on. And it's clearly a like CGI a thing that has not aged well at all. Right. Contrast that to the Spidey sense thing against Mysterio in that tunnel and how legitimately amazing that looks. And then same with the Mysterio fight that you brought up with the train and that stuff. Um, to me, there's no contest there. I get what he's saying about the other stuff, though. I wasn't thinking as much through the cinematography lens yeah. or the color grading. Again, I think it just comes down to it definitely has a feel, and that's amazing. And then it kind of just depends on if you prefer that or not. And it sounds like Dan does. And I don't quite prefer it as much, although right. I still put Spider-Man 2 as my number two overall. So back off a little bit. Um, <laughs> but no, I think he's got a good point there. Yeah. I mean, I do, I do think it's a matter of taste. But yeah, I thought that that was just an interesting... I, I probably am not... I'm, I'm actually confident that I'm not conveying that message as eloquently as he would. But hopefully I, I did it justice. Um, so no, anyway. That's, he's, he's got a good point. Okay. So that's our Spider-Man talk for today. Sorry, like I said, plenty of other stuff you can find. This is the, the final reminder. If you were trying to get ready, we're here at the countdown. Please, please consider checking out Friends From Work Plus. We've got a lot of fun stuff over there. And like we said last time, we have got a few more merch items left. Um, I'm sold out of large hoodies now. Larges are gone. Come on, guys. If, you're, if you've been waiting, now's the time. And again, if you sign up for Friends From Work Plus you get that discount off the merch. So it's really a win-win situation. If you're interested, if not, hey, no worries. We're here giving you a lot of Marvel coverage on the main feed. So follow your own path. Our path is now leading us to Hawkeye episode <laughs> five, Kyle. And holy cow, we're here. The weird thing about today is I really passionately don't want Hawkeye to get lost in all of this. It's not like just because we've talked about Spider-Man so much, Hawkeye is a throwaway show for me. It's been quite the opposite. I'm yeah. very much enjoying Hawkeye and Christmas in New York City. Like, this is my thing. Yeah. So I'm really excited to talk about this. Yes, Kyle, this episode was so my scene, and that's why I opened saying that this might be the best the best day for friends from work. Cause I, I I'm riding this high of Spider-Man no way home coming tonight and riding this high. of just having seen this incredible episode of this already incredible show. So and can I tell you what else is super perfect timing without even trying my rewatch journey, right? I just finished the black widow chunk oh, and the Spider-Man homecoming chunk. So like this last weekend, I just watched black widow and now to see it tie in this much here, Mm -hmm. The theme music, to see Elena, to hear actual lines and shout outs to that movie, which by the way, I texted you, I love Black Widow and I don't care who knows it. I'm moving <laughs> it up in my rankings. I moved it up. It is officially 10 now. Wow. I have got it into top the top 10. 10. Top there 10. is nothing wrong with that movie. Everyone is crazy. It's so freaking good. It's so yeah. funny. The intro, the first half especially are so mind-blowingly well done. It's so good. But anyways, yeah. so that's fresh in my mind. But then- you know, as our rewatch order goes, I jumped into Black Panther and then into Spider-Man Homecoming. Mm -hmm. And so now that is fresh on my mind. What a perfect time to have both of those things fresh in my mind. Well, right. So let's let's get into the episode here, talking about things that are fresh on our mind. 
This is episode five of six of Hawkeye. We're almost done, which kind of makes me sad. Sad, this yeah. One I need, is, this, the finale needs to be like an hour and a half, please. I know, I know. It's not going to be nearly long enough for what I want. I can already tell. Um, this is directed again by Burton Birdie. It's written by Jenna Noel Frazier. We have the same cast coming back here, um, but with a notable emphasis uh, on Florence Pugh, who I'm very excited to talk about, and the inclusion by phone photo of one Vincent D'Onofrio. Kyle, what was your reaction to that scene? Speaking of context, again, I just finished Spider-Man PS4 and Wilson Fisk is fresh on my mind. And so, yeah, I turned on it and I said, I just love so much. Like, I hope he stays around for a while. I just love more Spider-Man villains here. Please. I love it. And you know what I love, too? That I, I just noticed it here. We got even more conversations between Clint and Laura about the big guy, and she's really worried every time he mentions him. And you just get a sense that he is a presence. He's been around in the MCU in the background. And I love that because you and I always talk about wanting, like what you just said, like wanting villains with staying power. And instead of a villain that's introduced in one project and disposed of in the same project. Right, so please don't kill him in this next episode. It seems like it has all the makings of something we love because not only the staying power, Robbie, but they found a way to raise the stakes with him without really raising the stakes. Here's what I mean. It's not another villain where you're actually concerned is Wilson Fisk going to take over the whole universe, right? Is he going to kill everyone in the galaxy? We have to be coming down from that, right? That's my thing. We already had that with Thanos, so let's work the other direction. And Mm -hmm. yet, you have to make him menacing and threatening enough to have him have staying power and to have you feel a little bit of, oh, dread. And I feel like they're doing it, where it's like, you can keep him around. You are never concerned he's going to take over the world, but you are concerned about what he's doing, and he could be a menace to Hawkeye, Kate, and Spider-Man for a lot of years, theoretically. Right, and and Daredevil. Daredevil. Yeah, exactly. Man, and well, and that's the big that's the big question. I mean, he appears here in a very similar look to the one we've gotten in Daredevil, um, which obviously, like, they would do that because they want him to be immediately recognizable. But it still raises the questions of: Is it going exactly? Who is he? Like, does he have any background that we know of? Are we supposed to carry over anything that we know about him from that show? Is it just a total? Hey, you know you can maybe know this stuff that's maybe sort of relevant, but not canon. That's what I'm guessing. But I'm super interested to kind of see like the conversation we had a couple, a couple weeks ago. And I should, I should clarify. I feel like I got some pushback. I'm not saying that I'm going to be upset if they don't bring the entire daredevil mythology into this. Cause I do get that that has some messiness involved. My point was just, I, I did like the way that they conceived of that character. I think it translated really well to screen. So I would like for them to do something that's semi-consistent with that, just because I love how kind of ground level it was. And I think you and I have talked about how, like you just said, a grounded kind of villain like this is exactly what the MCU needs at this stage. I love that we're starting with this point because I do feel like most of the topics we need to discuss stem from this Kingpin reveal. Because I want to also jump to the Jack and Eleanor thing. 
Am yes. I not right in my theory now? Like I said to Annika, I really think this is what's happening. Eleanor is working for Kingpin and Val is mixed in that somehow. But then is Jack a secret agent that's actually just trying to get in from the inside? Like, I yeah. think that's what's happening here. I mean, that so Eleanor you, is going to be the bad person. Do you think, do you think Eleanor framed Jack? Maybe, maybe. I just don't think Jack is bad. That's crazy. Maybe a hot take. That that's just I I just wonder like he makes the comment about having dated a girl named Sloan. I I just wonder if she like if that was intentional. Like they mined something. Oh, she from like his dug past, that up. Okay, you know, and just as like a like a middle finger to him almost, and set him up somehow because he does seem. I don't know. It would be weird. You're right to come back to episode six and him still be seen as some kind of big bad. Like, I think he's got to either be some kind of agent of someone, or I think he's just there and was kind of the red herring. Definitely a red herring, if nothing else. So Yelena says she was hired by Eleanor. Uh Uh-huh. And she was passed that message via Val. Uh-huh. Correct? Right. And both Val and Eleanor are taking their orders from Kingpin, we think? Yeah, it's. I mean, it sounds like it. Isn't there a moment at the table whenever Kate and Yelena are talking where Yelena says, he told me you didn't know who he really was? Which is kind of confusing in terms of the pronouns referring to certain subjects or certain proper nouns but i think i took that to mean he as in the kingpin told me that you don't know who he as in hawkeye really is did i hear that correctly or did i inject a <laughs> i lot don't know you, you've gotten me confused now and i don't even know um it may be a throwaway um this is something that uh if we go back and listen and i'm wrong we can just cut out <laughs> But I think, um, yeah, I, I I noticed that because that was obviously before the Kingpin reveal in the episode. And I just heard the he comment and it didn't seem like it was referring to Clint. Um, but I guess we'll see. The, the reason I bring that up is it would be strange to me for Yelena to be interacting directly with Kingpin like that. But then again, maybe that's the whole point of the uh, of the cold open right that that she is she's come to a point where she she realizes that she can just make money killing people and she's kind of jaded enough to just fall back into that okay so then let's transition into yelena because that was one of the other major things first of all the blip thing by the way man i, I, I mean, it never gets old for me kyle it ne- I was just going to say the same thing. Every time we see it, it only adds and never subtracts. I love that they just constantly remind us that this thing was so major in the lives of everybody. Uh-huh. Like, it would have been such an easy event for them just to kind of say, it happened and then move on. Right. And I love these references. Remember WandaVision with Tiana Paris flipping oh, yeah. away? But this one now being the instantaneous version of it was so yeah, crazy. I mean, that was... Like, I love how we keep getting different perspectives. Right, exactly. Yeah, I wanted to talk a, a little bit about that cold open. Uh, I thought, one, it's so 
it's so nice to have those gaps filled in because I've been wondering ever since Black Widow what happened to Yelena uh, during the blip, whether she was blipped. I like seeing her kind of following through on that mission. I loved opening up with the Natasha voiceover. Mm-hmm. I I felt I felt a little strange about the interactions between Yelena and the other widows there. Oh like it, my goodness. It felt a little like it just felt a little like whenever they were like, "Oh, like we should all watch Sex in the City together." It just felt like very strange to me um that like that it got that like friendly and warm that quickly. 10 million percent, and I'm so weirded out that that's a detail. Okay, here's maybe an example of we've been doing this podcast for too long together <laughs> because <laughs> I had that down that specifically that interaction felt a little weird, and then even more specifically that the the blonde girl just felt a little bit off, like it, it yeah. took me out of it a teeny bit. Um, and then I was like, well, I'm not going to bring that up because it's not a big deal and we can get into the bigger things. And here you are bringing it up now. And I'm like, we've been doing this too long together. It's true. It, it, although, so I'll say I was watching it and it, I don't blame Florence Pugh, but I was just like, oh man, I was so excited to get Yelena and specifically, you know, seeing her like in the outfit. And I was like, now it feels kind of weird and it made me nervous. And the good thing is once we got to that Yelena scene with Kate Bishop, that I want to talk about, I was like, oh, baby, okay. This is this is just money. Like the the Florence Pugh-Haley Steinfeld combination is a, it's a match made in heaven that I didn't know I needed, but now I need so much more of it. I love it. So that's my disclaimer. I love it. Regarding that intro scene and that scene with Kate, I do think, this is crazy, Robbie, going forward, the writers are going to need to be very careful with Yelena. I think having just seen black widow again, there is a lot of funny lines that she has, but it's coming from this place of like, she's kind of naive. She hasn't gotten to do anything on her own. She's finally not brainwashed, but there's still a very serious badass. Like she's not a goofball. Okay. She's funny, but she's not a goofball. Yeah, well, and, I, th- I thought that well, they towed that I'm line not saying well, though. Yeah, me too. Me too. That's what I'm saying. I'm not saying it's a negative thing, but I'm saying going right. forward, I do no, I think they need to be a little bit careful writing this character that she doesn't turn into like the Russian comedic relief. Again, I don't feel that here. I'm just right. saying be very careful, okay? That's all. I think Because no, like the sure. Sex of the City line, like you're saying, that wasn't her, and I thought was really beautifully done that she is still kind of stunned while they're making that joke in the background, so that was really good. But it just got me thinking, like, the mac and cheese stuff, it all worked with Kate, but don't turn this into, like, a long-running bit, please. Right. No, I think that's fair. I, I do, I liked it the way that they translated that, though. Her naivete now is specifically regarding like New York and at Christmas time. So it's like yes. the way she would talk with Natasha in Black it, Widow. It's like the is, pockets conversation. Yes. Right. It's similar now to like, no, 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 I'm serious. Like I want to see these things in New York. But then she's like, Again, oh no, and- but also I'm going to kill Clint Barton. <laughs> like I like that it's like the the way she can swap back and forth. Right. And again, I love it. I, I love it, love it, love it, hundred percent. You know, maybe I don't even need to say that then, but I'm just I just I got this sense that that could be a I don't want it to turn into a Drax Guardians 2 thing. That's all I'm trying to say. No, Please. I think that's fair. But I think right now it's it's very far from that in my mind. Okay, same. Um, also, a little shout out to the renovated 
Statue of Liberty, which did you catch that? That is Spider-Man shouting. I know. I know. I was wondering if we would get a connect and I, I, that's probably the closest we'll get. Uh, yeah, I just love it. That's tying in. So that's a tiny detail, but yes. Let's talk a little bit about this conversation they have in, in terms of the substance of it. Cause I did think that was some of the best writing that we've gotten in terms of like, I laughed a lot at some of Florence Pugh's delivery. Again, I just really, really love this character. Um, I, that was my first reaction walking out of Black Widow. And again, after having this episode, I just am really excited for her to have as big of a role in the MCU as possible. Um, See, but I'm still equally as excited about Kate. Like, oh, for I sure. thought Kate had one of the funniest lines when she's like, oh, I know what box mac and cheese tastes like and it's delicious. <laughs> <laughs> right. No, I, yeah, I actually laughed out loud watching by myself several times during that conversation. But, but, but here's what we need to talk about. Yes. Do you buy it? Do you buy that Yelena still would be that pissed at Barton? That was I, my overarching okay. thing. I'm like, because we talked about right. that last week, you know? I'm right. sitting there thinking, I like them taking the revenge angle. Like, clearly, uh-huh. she understands that maybe what she's doing is not altruistic. But but yeah, I, she doesn't really care because she wants revenge. What did you think? I mean, I I... I think it's interesting because whenever we made this comment, I saw some folks on the Slack being like, no, no, Yolanda's way too smart to do that. This is the, she's got her own game here. She's not actually trying to kill Clint. It's sort of a misunderstanding. And it really seems here like she is buying the narrative that Clint is responsible for Natasha's death. And that just raises so many questions, primarily how does anybody know anything about what happened on Vormir other, other than, than what Clint says? Right. They don't is the answer. And that does give us another answer we were looking for, by the way, that Clint does know Yelena. He knows her by name. Yes, that's without true. Without it being I offered. That. So, so Natasha has had some conversations with him since Black Widow. Which will maybe help in him trying to kind of like, my hope is that they get to have a conversation. Right. It seems like it's just a misunderstanding because if anything, I mean, we get we get the side-by-side shot of her saying she's going to kill Clint because it's his fault, but then Clint, like, talking to Natasha, basically her grave, right? being like, I just miss you. And, like, if, if Yelena only knew how much it hurt him and he tried to stop, like, it's a miscommunication thing. They got to figure it out. Yeah, but, but I guess, like, to take me through briefly what you think Yelena has been told that would make her think Clint is responsible for Natasha's death. I don't know. Other than maybe Clint said, I got to Vormir and I tried to stop Natasha from sacrificing herself, but she did anyways. I couldn't help it. And then maybe Val says, but actually he pushed her off or he could have done it himself, but he didn't want to. He was too selfish. But how, why would she ever trust someone else's narrative like how you know what i mean I'm, like that's what i'm saying that again that's my whole point of the whole conversation i'm like i don't know that this is a believable motivating factor unless you're just telling me that she's now just blinded by revenge and doesn't care like what clint is saying to echo later that yeah. your passionate revenge is just clouding all of your judgment and it clouded mine maybe yelena's yeah. in that stage 
where now she doesn't care. And again, I do think that was a little bit of the context of the blip, right? They showed us how traumatic that was for her right, right away. Like her, her first thought was, I need, I need to tell Natasha. Right. So I do think that was part of the point. But yeah, I, again, this goes back to, I don't know that that dangling thread at the end of Black Widow is the best plot. Yeah, I think, I mean, I, it was it was a very fun stinger at the time. I'm just hoping that it that it doesn't it like, wraps I, soon. Like I don't want him to take away from you, like my my confidence in Yelena's discernment and ability to like see through that kind of a thing. Yes, like, exactly. I, she seems so smart. Right. Like I just I I know she's. We talked about her being naive, so maybe that's part of this. Maybe that's being. Maybe like the whole the whole point of the cold open again is she's a trained assassin. She's being told, hey, look, you know, you can do well for yourself. Here's how you do it. And now, you know, we find her, I guess, months later after the blip. And she has presumably found some kind of I mean, she's hiring herself out in some capacity. And so maybe she is like back in a position of being manipulated I, I don't love that story beat for her because that was the whole point of Black Widow was her getting out of that. Um, but I'm, I'm going to reserve, I'm, I'll reserve judgment until the last episode because I want to emphasize again how much I loved all the stuff I got in this episode. But I think I'm just with you in that I'm like getting a couple of hints that I'm like, uh, don't be careful here because I feel like you're, you're on thin ice potentially. That's what I'm saying. But another thing the writers would probably say to us is clearly Yelena now knows about all of Ronan's history as well. So maybe at first she was just told, hey, this is the guy responsible. He he should have done it instead of Natasha. But then they said, also look at his past. He's murdered all these people. So maybe that was enough to convince her. You know what I'm saying? Like it's not just yeah. the Natasha thing. It's also his bad past. Yeah, is that, I mean, so is that the, th you think that's the angle then is like, Clint should have been the one to to die for the stone, and because he didn't, he killed Natasha. That's sort of the way she's thinking about it. I don't know. That's what I'm saying. Because maybe I, that is. I don't want to be defending that side of it because I don't think that's the strongest plot. Does that make sense? Like I don't no, 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 want to no, right, be the guy right. But I'm just trying to get into their into their heads. I think that maybe makes the most sense because maybe maybe Clint came back, and and sorry if I'm stating the obvious, but just to get this on the record, maybe Clint came back. To honor Natasha, he tells everyone, look, you know, this is all possible because Natasha got the stone. Without her, we wouldn't have gotten it. She she is the one that really saved the the universe um, and the world. And so in doing that, he kind of had to give some context. And by saying she sacrificed herself, maybe it's not that Val had to kind of lie or twist it. Maybe she was just like, hey... If he was there, if he saw that, why did she have to sacrifice herself? Look at all the bad stuff he's done. Kind of the same stuff that Clint raised in Endgame when he's like, you know what I've done. You know what I've become. And maybe there, maybe that's just, it's not that there's any lie. Yelena's yeah. just looking at it and she's like, my sister was a hero. You were a murderer. How come she sacrificed herself and you're still here? Yep. And then I would push back and say, but your sister also murdered a ton of people herself. That was the whole point of Black Widow, the movie. That's true. So, so And so did Yelena, by no, the way. 
Right. So she's no better off than Clint in that way. But yes, I do think that that's the most believable explanation, what you just said. Like, as you were telling me that, I was like, yeah, that, that could be, that's, that's true. Okay. Moving off that though, it did give us two other things I think are fantastic. One, I love that despite all of his flaws, despite all of his attempts to push her away, Kate consistently stands up for Hawkeye. Right. I loved hearing her be like, no, he's a hero. Here's this and this. Like, she's not swayed in her confidence in that. And I love that because I feel like it would be a very typical trope for her to start second guessing it. Now. Yes. And I think it's kind of counter the obvious by having her be like, no, he's a hero. That's so true. I, I'm so loving the way that they're subverting those expectations with Kate. That she right, like, and she keeps calling him back. She doesn't give yeah. up. Like whatever. You're right because like this is normally the part in the story where she's mad at him and she doesn't trust him, and they have another misunderstanding and have to clear it up later. And I like that she's just like, no, I don't buy it. the The second thing I think that this plot point is going to give us is I do think it could be an incredibly powerful and cathartic scene and relationship with Clint and Yelena and maybe Kate and Yelena because of this. Like, meaning once they finally work it out, if they don't kill each other, like no other two people in the universe would he, would understand each other's pain better right. than Yelena and Clint. And they could become friends that way. But if even if they're moving off Hawkeye, I think that that could still work out with Kate and Yelena. Yeah. I, I think the whole time I was watching that scene... I kept thinking, okay, this is, I can see a way that this, they could be on a team together at some point. And, and that, that right. sort of merges like, you know, there are the theories that the young Avengers team is being built. And then there are the theories that the Thunderbolt slash dark Avengers team is being built by Val. And I think that there's evidence for both. Kate would fall. I think I don't see any way that Kate would be part of like the dark Avengers but I do see a world in which they could wind up being friends and potentially, yeah, working together. And maybe maybe that would be the connective tissue between those. But as they were, one of the comments that they, that they made or, or parts of the conversation that really made me think about that is whenever they're talking about Clint and talking about kind of what it means to be an Avenger. The trail of blood that follows him you could wrap around the entire world. Okay, wow, that was very Russian. Hmm. He's still an Avenger. What does that word even mean, huh? That it holds so much power. You call him a hero no matter what he does? It means that when you choose to spend your life trying to help people, there are going to be things that you lose. When you face the kind of threats that he has, there's going to be collateral damage. My sister is gone because of him. No, no, that is no. She's gone. Is she collateral damage? I do love that in context, again, of Black Widow, because she kind of even says that to Black Widow in that movie. She's right. the one that says, I'm not the killer that girls look up to and want to be like. So she already is wondering, how are these Avengers so popular there? So it's so fitting here to bring that up, I feel like. And what does that even mean? But then again, I love that Kate defends it. Kate also gave such a good explanation back of what it does mean to be an Avenger. So that was an incredible scene for me. Yeah. It's such a good, not meta, but like a take on on 
like the overarching thread in the MCU. Like I just, it, it's like stepping back and just looking at this debate that we've seen different sides of really from the very beginning, like from the Tony Cap stuff to Age of Ultron and Civil War. Like it, it like we've always danced around this, do the Avengers help or hurt? And I think that this did a really, really good job of that in a very like where a Civil War approach that in a very mm-hmm. large scale kind of policy way, this approach that in a very personal way. It does feel kind of Civil War-ish though, doesn't it? Some of the conversation. Yeah. Oh, which you know, <laughs> you know I love. Um, <laughs> I could totally see this ending with some version of Yelena helping take down Kingpin for the record in the future. Um, yeah. That she she turns when she finds out the truth from Clint and somehow they're taking Kingpin down together. I mean, you think she would because he seems like just another Dracoff, right? Right, exactly. Like maybe she'd resonate with that. Right. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. A few more things we got to talk about here. Another really fun scene I thought was Clint at the Avengers Memorial from the original battle. Yeah, with all the Uh, names listed. With all the names, but then it hit me, Robbie. For the first time in a long time, it hit me. Clint is sitting there, helpless, looking at this memorial, and I was thinking, gosh, it sucks for him seeing those names there, where it's like he doesn't have hardly anybody left, Robbie. Like he can't talk to Tony, he can't talk to Cap, he can't talk to Nat. I don't know how much of a relationship he has with Bruce or what Bruce is doing, but he obviously doesn't feel like that's his next phone call. Right. And, and Thor is obviously not around. So it just kind of like hit me like, man, he's left there alone. And Annika and I both thought the only person he should call right now that he could talk to is Wanda. I think that's the only oh, relationship man, I think he would so have true. that would totally resonate with this. Because they had that he has a way to get older. at the end of Endgame. I know. If, I know. That's the only one left I was thinking. Like well, Doctor he, Strange, that's not a call he would make. Right. Spider-Man's not a call he would make, right? It would only be right. Wanda. But you know, as you're listing that, I do it I think the biggest question mark for me and I love it. I love it. Um cuz it's just like a thread I want to keep pulling at is Bruce. Like we've gotten some really interesting scenes yep. that have released from She-Hulk. We got that scene in in Shang-Chi. But like as you're saying that Bruce would also be the uh, the other yeah, person, true. right? Like besides Yelena, that would has really be mourning. Yeah, I mean he would be mourning Natasha specifically, and and has lost all the other Avengers. That's true. Um, and it does make me wonder where he is. You know what I freaking love though, Robbie? That they somehow got us to this point where I can see that sign. And feel the same way Clint does. Where, like, it's not obvious where his next step should be, right? Like, in the middle of phase two, there were times where I would say, Robbie, call Cap, call Tony, whatever. And now they've told such a perfect story that we're at this point, I'm like, yeah, there's not that many people left. And I love that that's the phase we're in. Like, they're embracing it. So, yes, I do think Bruce or Wanda would be the two calls. But I love that it's not so obvious on what he should do next. 
It's it's funny because I remember whenever there was there was all of this debate about what the final title of or what the title of the final Avengers film would be um, or the fourth one. And because, you know, they waited like a long time to reveal that Uh, it was not that long before the movie actually came out. And I was thinking that it was going to be Avengers disassembled because I kind of thought that's where we were heading. I thought it, it, it would be more commentary on how the movie starts than how it ends. And obviously that's not the title we got. And I kind of moved away from that. But we talked about how at the beginning of this, before the show even came out, we talked about how we had in a way kind of gotten that. And I hadn't really thought of it until we came into this show because we hadn't really had time to reflect on the Avengers in such a specific way. Like we reflected on the lack of general of, of like Iron Man and Far From Home and the lack of Cap and Falcon Winter Soldier. But here, it really does, it makes me happy because they they did find a way somehow. And again, I mean, this whole podcast is born out of us just loving how Avengers Endgame was handled. But how crazy is it that that movie was able to accomplish so many things so well? Like, it's not just that it did one or two things well, it's that it like, resolved all these storylines while also changing the status quo in a way that is giving us a seemingly infinite amount of stories. And I think I I love that at the same time, we get a a really strong resolution for Tony's story and for Cap's story, but that the, the very event that resolves those stories also creates its own kind of minor tragedy for Clint. You know, we're now... He's left kind of out in the cold. And and for Wanda, like that, it allowed for WandaVision right. to even take place. And right. we don't have to sit around and be like, why don't any of the Avengers intervene? Because they're not really around. And I love now with Clint, we're not only seeing Clint's personal ramifications, but we're also seeing the ramifications of the Avengers falling apart besides Tony and Cap being gone, right? So like the right. watch being, or like even the reference to the compound, being destroyed or that Tony Stark sold the building. Like there's not another presence around anymore, which is incredible. And like you said, yes, we already saw those ramifications and far from home with Tony. And then we saw the ramifications of no cap and Falcon Warrior soldier. Now we're seeing the ramifications of no real Avengers in general. Right. And I love it. So that leads me to the watch then. So I have the watch and I have Kazi. That's the two things we got to talk about here for a second. The watch it does appear now that Laura is more involved in some way, correct? Like yeah. maybe I was wrong on this. Yeah, I'm, I, like. yeah I'm, I'm willing to eat some crow on this. I'm not saying it is that. To be fair, I did say I think it is going to be Laura, but I don't know if I want it. I still don't know how I feel about it. Give me some time. Let's see how the mm-hmm. finale goes. But it does appear that Laura is more involved now. So, Someone made a... a a solid argument. I think if it, it depends on the way it's handled for me at this point, um, I, I, to the extent it's something where Clint and Laura met way back in the day and she wanted to get out. And that was sort of part of getting the farmhouse set up and all of that. Then yeah, like I think I can, I can buy that as long as it's not overplayed. I just don't want it to radically alter Laura's character. Hmm. And for it, like I said, for it to feel like a full-on retcon 
if it's just, but you know, we don't know how they met. So I'm kind of okay with filling in those gaps if it's, and it maybe makes sense that Clint would not have had time to meet and fall in love with someone that wasn't working in his line of work. Well, and here's the exact wording from that conversation. I'm sorry. This problem just keeps getting bigger. Yes, Meyer is relentless. She's got her hands on the watch. She looked into her family. Someone has hired a black widow. I mean, I... I don't want to think about where this all goes. Glenn, we've been so careful, really. I... I mean, the kids and I are so far away. It's not far enough. It's never far enough. If I don't end this tonight, uh, it's just a matter of time before the big guy gets involved. And then even after that clip, she has a little bit of almost stern, I don't want to say menace because she's not evil, but like she's got like a go take care of business. That's the first time we've ever heard her talk like that, where I was like, whoa, okay, hello, there's a little dark side there or something or I don't know. Yeah. I th- so that that was an interesting moment for me, though, as we're kind of trying to unpack how Laura fits into all this, because the comments she made about me and the kids being so far away did make me think that she owns the watch. But the comment that she made that you're referring to where she was like, you know, follow your gut. It just made me think, like, to the extent Laura has experience in this stuff. It's not like she's saying, OK, well, here's what we should do. Like, she's not speaking as someone that, that kind of has her own like spy training in history. She's what she's been doing is a lot of like, she's like, okay, well, you know what, what's the play? Oh, just one of Nat's old moves. Okay. Well, take care of it. Follow your gut. I trust you do what you need to do. Like it feels, you know, like to the, if they're trying to imply that she herself is also experienced in the same field, I just, I don't feel like we're getting, Maybe they're just trying to not be too obvious with it, but I, I feel like it seems much more like she's just just encouraging him. Yeah. Whether she is a secret agent or not, my massive takeaway, just like what I said with Kate, is I love the depiction of this relationship here. Again, mm-hmm. the stereotypical trope to follow normally would be have her be like, oh, come home. I don't want to lose you. I, I, you know, I can't do anything to help you. Please, please don't. And I'm not saying that's bad to ever do that, but I love that. She's like, I trust you go with your gut, like whatever you think is best. And that just goes back to age of Ultron, the way she handles it, where she's like, they need you, which I love. And again, that's why I also love the Kate relationship as far as Kate, not doing the obvious that she is keeping her confidence in Clint and all of that. I'm just liking the non-obvious relationship turns here. And say what you will about about Joss Whedon, um, but I I do credit him some with with starting us on that path because I mm. do think he has a knack for subversion. And I, I'm not I'm not giving him credit for Kate, but for the Laura Clint relationship, I think he started that off on a really nice note. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, 100. percent That's a huge highlight of the movie for me. As we talked about in our episode, my understanding is that was also what Joss saw is kind of the core of the movie. Um, I think that that was the, that whole farmhouse scene was very much his baby and what he kind of fought with the studio to get in there. So I am even kind of more grateful uh, in retrospect. Okay. Two last things quickly before I pack up my bags and fly to you, Robbie, I gotta, I gotta get on a plane. I gotta get over to you. Okay. I need to watch (laughs) Spider-Man tonight. Two more quick things really fast on a plane. (laughs) Here we go. Coming to Austin to watch (laughs) Spider-Man. I lost the melody there. (laughs) 
you never go beyond that line. The next line is where it gets really complicated. And that's what I wanted to hear. <laughs> Will he make it on time this time? I hope so because the last couple times we were late. Um, okay, Robbie, <laughs> Kazi. Yeah. Maya is starting to put this together a little bit. Is he a little shady? He was not there that night. And she's maybe listening to what Clint has to say, starting to believe it actually, which I think would be a really refreshing twist in this because everybody's out for revenge right now. I would love someone to buy the truth a little bit and maybe have that change their motivations. So if they're having Maya do that early, I would love that. Also, she has her own show coming, right? And she's supposed to be somewhat of a hero in that, right? She's not a bad person. No, I think they're setting up a a very like similar. Like a turn here. They're setting up the arc that I kind of expected, where I think she, she starts off as someone working with Kingpin, and then I think quickly kind of becomes a hero in her own right. And I, I should say in the comics, she actually, and I don't think that would ever happen here, because of how personal it is for her, but in the comics, she actually adopts the Ronin identity after Clint abandons it. So here's a really interesting question. Did I catch this right? Did Kingpin hire Ronan to kill her father? Yeah, I think so. I think Kingpin, through Kazi, hired Ronan to kill her dad. The entire Ronan thing is very interesting to me, Robbie. And I think this is a good thing. When I first saw Endgame, you said the Ronan thing was a little bit underdeveloped. Uh-huh. Uh, I think I felt that way, but really I felt that way emotionally where I never fully bought in that he had done so many bad things. Right. Right. Like the one scene we got was him killing people, which is awful. I'm not saying go kill people, but he was killing <laughs> other criminals, right? He was right. hunting down people that were criminals. Right. So, and they were all I, like fighting back. Like, it's not like he was like murdering innocent people. Like he was like in like a gang fight. Right. So I, I just, I a little bit struggle with, what has he done that's so bad that Yelena needs to kill him, Maya needs to kill him? But I do think this show is now giving me a little more context to that, to where, like, if he was ever taking orders from Kingpin, that's probably a, a no-no. Like, I I'd, I don't know that I would have done that, probably, even if you're killing bad people. Uh, and then getting a little bit of a picture of, okay, these quote-unquote bad people like Maya's father, still have a life and a story and a family, and you didn't really give them due process. You just murdered them all. So I think I like that it's giving me more emotional context to Ronan. Yeah. No, I I agree. I mean, that's the – that's man, I think what I love so much about this show is that it's given us kind of everything that I I was hoping for. Uh, particularly at this stage. Like, I think, you know, we've talked about different things that Phase 4 can do, and I think it's done so many so well um, in terms of introducing total new aspects of the MCU with something like Shang-Chi and Eternals, in terms of following up things really directly. But here, I think, like, this is... Whenever I knew a Hawkeye show was coming, like, I was totally with you. Like, I just thought that the Ronin stuff, I I didn't understand why even in that movie they acted like he was like such a monster and such a different person than he had been. Cause I was like, how is this any different than what like Natasha and Steve were doing in like winter soldier in right. terms of just kind of going, I felt. yeah, you know, like I, it felt like such a dramatic, but now I'm like, well, if Natasha was watching him and you're right, knowing that he was getting mixed up in this kind of stuff, then 
that's and and she knows who he is and she knows who he was when he was with Laura and she's kind of watching the fall but to your point the thing that i really love is i don't think that clint probably saw it as taking orders from kingpin i think he saw it as oh well this is a a an organization that i now have a tip on and can go bust and sort of his vendetta but what i love is that that's setting up kingpin as the guy that can kind of manipulate everyone else to do whatever he wants them to do. So mm-hmm. while he, while Clint thought he was being the hero, Kingpin was just using him to do his dirty work. Right. And that's classic Kingpin. Oh, classic Kingpin. <laughs> oh, <laughs> let's go Wilson Fisk, baby. Give me Norman Osborn next. Norman Osborn next, <laughs> hey, please. He's, hey, he's coming in tonight. Oh, yeah, he is, Ravi. Okay, let's end here. Do you have any finale predictions? Do you want to call your shot on anything? Oh, um, I think that we'll get the, the, the Clint yelling in a conversation. Okay. Um, I think that we'll get some actual Vincent D'Onofrio screen time. Yep. I think we're going to get a massive stinger of somebody of super large significance. Like we're going to get a shot or a reference to daredevil or captain America, Sam Wilson like shows up or like, there's going to be something major at least in the post scene. I think that's or, or, or another something with Val to kind of move that along. Yeah. I don't know about that one as much because they've, they've already done that stinger a couple times, but maybe. So my, my thing is, I, I'm almost kind of, like, you know how I talked a couple a couple episodes ago about how I don't, whenever something's, it's like a Chekhov's gun thing. Like, I, I don't want, once we know something's being developed, I don't want you to slow roll it too much. Um, because at some point it starts to feel like it's being dragged. And I am kind of getting to the point where I'm like, okay, I think I want... Like I, I, I want the Val thing to start to come to a head fairly quickly. Like okay. I, I, you know what I mean? Like I, and, and I get what they're doing. It feels a little bit like they're kind of doing the, the dark mirror of phase one with Nick Fury. And I like that. I think that's really clever, but a good way to make it come to head would be if she's working for Kingpin, like right. if she's taking orders from him, that'd be a good thing. Or that they, or or we see that they have some kind of relationship where she's like the government arm. Because we also need to see how Sharon fits into all this. True. Um, if she does, or if you know, th- there are so many kind of different. And, and I'll say I like that. I just kind of want, at some point, I I wanted to start to start coalescing. Um, but yeah, coalescing. I think. Wow. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Big words. But I do think I, I I think we'll get a. I bet we get an echo kingpin confrontation here i think that that's a or or we get one set up that happens in the echo show i am fascinated to see specifically where do they leave clint barton i have no idea if he's going to die if he's going to retire or is he going to stay a key figure for multiple movies i don't know it it felt like before they were hinting at this being kind of his swan song and i just don't know that it's all going to get resolved to a point that he's done. And then I'm like, contractually, does that matter? Does he want to be around for much longer? I don't know, but I have no idea where they're going to leave Clint. And then as of now, I don't have any idea of where else he would show back up. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if I had to put money on it, I think I would say that. He makes it back to his family and that's it? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's you, just. Do you think they'll kill him? No, I don't think they'll kill him. Um, in part because I, I think that that would take away a bit from Natasha's sacrifice. Okay. I, th- I think, but I do feel like they are going, kind of going all out to give him the final, like what I said, like everything that we hadn't quite gotten yet with Clint, I, I now feel like we're getting. And I think like that Like he'll retire, he'll go live with his family, and it will just be a fun cameo here and there. Like, you yeah. know, five years down the road, he'll help with one situation or something. Oh, out of retirement. Right. Well, and, you know, by the way, like it, it's worth noting and I, I don't, this would, <laughs> this would have to be kind of way down the line, but there is that sort of old man Hawkeye character that has gotten more popular. And I wonder if down the line they lean more into that. If he does ever come back, he's more the kind of like old grizzled. Mm. I mean, they're already kind <laughs> of setting, the, setting that up here. Right. And obviously yeah, that right. takes place in like a Logan style wasteland world, but Marvel is known for pulling bits and pieces from wherever. I could get into that. Yeah, I think it could be, but, but I do think that that scene where he's looking at all the Avengers, I get the sense he's moving off the board and and that kind of feels right to me. I would love an old man Hawkeye thing just because if he just leaves and goes to his family, it would feel right. Don't get me wrong. We kind of got that a little bit with cap like Steve left and you don't, see him come back at all it'd be kind of fun for hawkeye to leave but have that occasional old man show up i think that'd be kind of fun yeah Um, no for sure but no i'm loving this what are you guys thinking let us know on slack we've gotten a few questions on how to join the slack by the way the easiest way i know is go to the ffwpodcast.com and on the front page there's a, a giant button that says join slack that's i think the best way to do it Uh, We love the discussion that's happening there. Like Robbie said earlier, if you want to check out our Patreon page, it's Friends From Work Plus. Check that out. That is also on the front page of our website, theffwpodcast.com. And follow us on all social media at the FFW Podcast. We really like hearing from you there, and we try to respond to all of those questions. But, wow, guys, I need to wrap this because, like I said, I'm getting on a plane. I'm flying to Austin, and we are going to be watching Spider-Man No Way Home tonight. Our initial reactions to that will come out tomorrow, Thursday, probably around the time the movie's wrapping for some people. I think, like, 8 or 9 p.m. feels safe. Uh Obviously, that will be spoiler-ridden. So do not click on that episode until you have seen Spider-Man No Way Home, and I will say that in the episode. But guys, we can't wait. Hope you're enjoying Friends From Work Mega Week. Have a great week watching Hawkeye. Have a great week watching Spider-Man No Way Home, and we'll see you again tomorrow, right back here, same place, same time, on Friends From Work. (laughs) 